Many of us see adoption simply as a way some choose to grow their family here on earth. But God sees adoption as our divine heritage, how every person who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord becomes a member of the bloodline of heaven itself and becomes grafted into His family tree. So while this is the oldest story of all time, it's becoming new all over again for us. May it become so for you, too. I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher. Welcome to A Grafting Story, a retelling of God's adopted family and a new telling of ours. Well, here we are, the beginning. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you today and really honored that you would tune in to listen and just to check out what A Grafting Story is all about. So how did this all start? Where did I get that grafting image? Uh, what even is that? <laughs> what does that have to do with adoption? Who's this podcast for? Well, before we get into all of that, I thought that I could give some proper introductions about me and a little bit about this project. Well, I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher, but my friends call me Nikki. I am a Toronto-born city girl turned, uh, surprisingly enough, a suburban environmentalist. I'm a recovering people pleaser, an outgoing introvert. I am an Enneagram 2 hard wing 3, for those of you who speak that language. And uh, yeah, I'm just a heart forward human being. I'm a wife, a mom, an educator, a writer, a worship leader, among other things. I mean, it's funny. Uh, yeah, we give ourselves those descriptors, which when I say them out loud, feel kind of far away from who we actually are in real life. But there they are, nonetheless. I've been married to a wonderful man for just over 10 years. And together we have a four-year-old daughter who entered our family biologically, which is a beautiful miracle story for perhaps another time. We all reside in a suburb just 30 minutes outside of the city of Toronto, Canada, and we've decided for lots of reasons uh, to continue to grow our family through adoption. So here we are in the middle of the process, locally through the Children's Aid Foundation of our region. We're about two and a half years into the waiting. So if you are there or have been there or are thinking about going there, <laughs> um, I'm with you. Uh, podcasting came about as a bit of a surprise to me. Most of my professional experiences in writing and workshop curriculum building, but I uh, I grew up actually in a performing arts school, and so I spent so much of my early years storytelling. Really, I was a drama major and wrote scripts and told stories. So yeah, this one night doing what my everyday life includes, I was reading a story to my daughter before bed and she stopped me and turned to me in her adorable four going on 14 way and said, hey mom, I don't know if you know, but you are really good at telling stories. So what you'll hear from me is some version of that. I will write out these stories carefully with great thought. And I will treat this like I do uh, under the starlit tent in my daughter's room. I'll take some deep breaths, put my feet up, lean in, and I hope that you will too. You know, I, I can't help but be reminded of Paul's letters in the New Testament of the Bible, how he talks about this longing to be with all the people he's met along the way, how he hopes one day to see them when he passes through town. 
in that same regard, these episodes or chapters, as I will refer to them, feel so much to me like letters to the ones I love. So what's with this grafting thing? (laughs) What does that mean? Well, uh, grafting is actually a horticultural technique where tissues of one plant are joined to another, often different plant, so that they can continue their growth together as one. We're actually going to dive into this a lot more in the first chapter called Horticultural Theology. But as a general idea, it's this image that God chooses to use in the Bible to describe his family growing process. And it actually signals some other important tree imagery that we'll also look more carefully at in the weeks to come. So how did this come about? Well, one of the points of origin was a number of conversations. I mean, isn't that how many things start? (laughs) Some with close friends about the wonderings around adoption and why we're doing that some with leaders in our church community around our own spiritual adoption and how our identity as children of God has been skewed along the way and what the repercussions of that are in the church and in our families. But many conversations were just between me and God in my own heart. (laughs) And then funny, not funny enough, God started bringing couples after couples after individual after individual into our sphere with aches and longings about growing their family this way. And they just wanted to sit down and talk. You know, they wanted what we want, like clarity, comfort, guidance, encouragement, um, more. (laughs) You know, parenting can be such a lonely place and parenting outside of what you might perceive as normal, whatever that means, can add kind of a different variable. Other conversations that we had were more difficult. Questions that were thrown at us that caused confusion, pain, and a humble pause. Maybe you've had some of those conversations already. I find, like all questions do, though, they reveal a lot more about the asker than the subject of the inquiry. And very quickly, I started to recognize patterns, even in myself. Misunderstandings, miseducation about adoption and what God actually says about family versus perhaps what our culture, whether from our society or our families, have embedded in our belief system. Questions even from my own inner circle began to reveal ideas and misconceptions around what makes family legitimate, specifically from a Christian point of view. So as an educator, I felt the burden to educate myself always first. You know, the invitation from God to look critically at what we've always thought was right or good is always really difficult. And truthfully, my own towers of judgment and bias were beginning to be revealed and broken. Praise God. And as a mom, I felt the burden to protect my future baby. And strangely yours, and all of the ones still on the outside waiting for a God who said he was blessing the world with a people who would bear his name. The truth is, I've actually been battling this idea for a long time. I've been battling my own fear and inner critic. And one of the things about this project that left me so hesitant for so long was the fact that I wanted so desperately to talk about a topic that I had so little experiential knowledge about. I mean, 
like, who are we? (laughs) I'm sure many of you listening have a lot more experience than I do. I mean, my husband and I were were just at the beginning. So what do we know? (laughs) But then I read again, the story in the Bible of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people in Matthew 14. You know, if you've read it, read it again. Uh, And if you haven't, um, you know, you have the internet, you can just look it up, Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000. But it's basically just this beautiful picture of, actually, it's it's an invitation before it's anything else. Uh, on this hillside, with thousands of hungry people, just really a basic human need. And Jesus has the uh, audacity to ask the disciples to feed all these people. And of course, they go crazy and they're confused. And, you know, what are we supposed to do? And if we go into town, it'll take us forever. That's not practical. This is like, you haven't thought this idea through. (laughs) And uh, Jesus invites them to uh, empty their pockets. He says, what do you have? And this little boy, uh, I find it's it's often (laughs) children, you know, uh, this little boy empties his pockets and he says, you know, like I have, this is what I have. I have these few fish and loaves and Jesus is perfect. That's all I need. And out of that, he multiplies uh, the little to feed the many. And in that story, God spoke to me loud and clear because it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the 5,000 people that need feeding. I mean, it's it's not practical. Like it'll take us forever. I mean, I can't do it. You can't do it. But Like I said, you know, this Jesus doesn't just ask us to feed 5,000 people. He invites us to empty our pockets and to give him whatever it is we happen to have. And so in the middle of negotiating with the God of the universe, uh, you know, about not having anything uh, but fish and loaves in my pockets, he said, my dear girl, you are part of the greatest adoption the most universe-shifting grafting story, a narrative so significant that it changed the very course of your eternity. I adopted you. So dear friend, if you claim Jesus as Savior and Lord, you too are a part of this great story. And if you don't, listen in, because it's written for you too. The truth is, none of this matters if we don't receive the invitation to discover ourselves as members of this God-initiated, God-enabled, and God-designed adopted spiritual lineage, only then can we begin to imagine what that kingdom reality might look like on earth as it is in heaven. There's this great book uh, that I read. um, It's called Adopted for Life. An author and pastor, Russell Moore, he cuts to the heart of the Western church and he offers this picture of the fractured perspective that separates the doctrine of adoption from the mission of adoption. Kind of like as if our forgiveness by God had nothing to do with our forgiveness of others. Or as if God's faithful love of his bride had little to do with our faithfulness to our beloved. I mean, of course, when we hear that, we know that that's not true. I mean, one cannot exist without the other. You know, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The kingdom God has rule and reign over is interdependent. It's not mere doctrine because doctrine doesn't tuck me in at night. 
It doesn't give me a seat at the dinner table or my picture on the mantle. It only shapes my mind and my heart so that my hands can be willing and ready for mission. But adoption as mission alone, it becomes charity. You know, the haves helping the have-nots, forgetting that we are all in very desperate need of saving. You know, if you have been saved by Jesus, if you know what that's like, I mean, for me, I, I have this vivid memory of feeling so lonely and outside and God giving me this spectacular invitation to not just be a servant at his uh, banquet, to not just be um, a worker and a servant in his household, but to sit at an honored place at his table as a daughter of God. I mean, we're not the rescuers. We are the rescued, lighting a flare that signals the rescuer, Jesus Christ. So adoption isn't metaphor or charity. It's the gospel, all-inclusive, transformative, offensive, uncomfortable, glorious gospel. That's how God frames it. So I will try my very best to follow suit. So what can you, a listener, expect from the next 12 chapters? Well, let me start by telling you what you will not experience. You won't experience an adoption roadmap with details about the administrative processes of adoption, whether locally or globally, and what the best practices are of each. You know, I'm so hoping that, uh, you know, along the way that we can share resources, that we can kind of be this collective source of knowledge on this particular topic. But if you're just looking for the step-by-steps, I will probably disappoint you. This is also not an advice column. I will not be sitting here in my closet, which is where I am, by the way, <laughs> telling you what to do. <laughs> I can barely figure out what my own next steps are, let alone yours. This is also not my family's intimate step-by-step blog of sorts. Uh, I mean, along the way, I will, of course, be sharing my own family's adoption processes, the miracles, pain. But I really hope that our story will be more of a note in a heavenly chorus. So in short, you will experience an intersection of theology and poetry, of doctrine and mission. We'll be diving into scripture, commentaries, and the like to better understand what story the Bible actually tells about our own spiritual adoption and where it fits in our lives as disciples of Jesus. Why God would use this horticultural image to describe his family and the mysteries that are hidden in it that want to teach us. You know, I'm I'm a secret, well, maybe not so secret, uh, tree lover. <laughs> I have been known embarrassingly <laughs> to hug trees in my times uh, with the Lord as I walk through the forest. So um, yeah, so we're, we're going to dive a little bit into some, uh, you know, environmental pictures that God chooses to use and, and what some of those mysteries and, and beautiful hidden truths are that are right in the middle of it. We'll be looking at the birth of Jesus, his lineage, and the new definition of legitimate that he ushers in with his very own life. We'll be exploring research-based ideas about belonging and take a look at people within scripture who wrestled with that very thing, to belong. And every other episode, 
Excitedly enough, we'll get to meet and have conversations with people and families who are right in the middle of adoption, fostering, and belonging stories so we can better understand what it looks like for God's kingdom to come in this way. The sacrifice of it, the cost of it, the obedience, and the sheer joy of it. You know, it's it's funny. Whenever we tell people that we're choosing to grow our family through adoption, uh, we often hear something along the lines of, you know, wow, we're so excited for you guys. Bless you. So glad there are people like you out there who can do that. And I get it. I mean, I know with sincerity that every response is meant with great love. But it's funny because we're not anything special. And actually, the families we're going to meet are everyday human beings, just like everybody else. I think it's just that somewhere along the way, as believers, we have acclimatized ourselves to this lie and forgotten, you know, that a life with Jesus by his power and his promise is not for the exceptional or for the other. It's for the ordinary. It's for us. Actually, more accurately, it's for the failures and the nobodies, the ones who can't do it, the ones who are very aware that they need God, the ones who can't possibly mobilize little resources to feed 5,000 people in the middle of nowhere. Along the way, we've forgotten the good news, the good news that he can, that he does, and he chooses to do it through us. Am I saying that every person should open their doors and their families in the same way? No. But am I saying that we all have a very significant part? Yes. And if you already have your backup, good. Because all the exciting stuff always happens when we force ourselves to be a little uncomfortable. I mean, I know I am. So who is this podcast for? Well, the narrow answer is anyone who wants to be educated and encouraged in their current grafting story, a journey of adoption, fostering, and belonging, whatever that looks like and in whatever part they might play. Maybe, uh, you know, you're realizing your place in this story all over again in a new light as you open the scriptures. Maybe you're going through a painful season where you don't feel like you belong anywhere or to anyone Maybe there are friends or family members that would benefit from some learning in preparation for or in process of your own new leaps of faith. Maybe you are that friend, hello, or family member who wants to link arms with someone you love and learn all that you can to support them. Maybe you grew up in a grafted family of sorts and you have some wounds, some questions, some real struggle that you haven't quite been able to reconcile with God. So you've folded your arms to the whole thing. Maybe you're right in the messy middle of it and need a holy breath, a fresh vision, endurance, and encouragement to keep the course, especially when it's hard. Maybe you're at the beginning of something, heeding a whisper or an ache, like me. Can we please be beginners together to grow to be challenged, to ask questions and do not the comfortable thing, but the right thing, to not follow the pattern and system and values of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to spur one another on in love, 
to feel that sting of dying to yourself and the world and its values and all that we once held dear so we can live life to the fullest, to know the treasure of Jesus Christ. I remember during our pride training classes, which is this prerequisite course in Ontario in order to adopt locally, uh, the incredible social workers were talking about these children, their children, they affectionately called them, and the process that they go through when parental rights are taken away from birth parents and given to the government. These children are no longer called crown wards, but something to the effect of society's children. And I can hardly bear to hear it. You know, in that moment, my heart just dropped to the ground. Thinking of children orphaned and adopted by a system instead of a person. I mean, regardless of what you believe, like a person doesn't belong in a system, they belong in a family. And so this phrase has kind of been burned into my soul. And honestly, I cannot even look at my God the same way because I'm learning that like his entire mission is setting his love loose on the world, restoring justice, setting enslaved people free, making orphans into sons and daughters. And it's time. It's time for us, his hands and his feet, his heart and his home to be fanned into flame and to do the same. I mean, don't misunderstand. This is not about guilt or not doing enough. You know, we reject the accusing voice of the enemy and the aimless rushing and panic of the world in Jesus' name. And instead, we humbly desire just to receive the name God our Father gives us to sit at Jesus's feet to learn and to welcome the work and the grace of the Holy Spirit in each of us uniquely and as a whole big church family. So we can all say, as Jesus did in John 7, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And as an aside, if you are listening and you have been doing this work of caring for the vulnerable and the oppressed and the marginalized, I mean, whether you follow Jesus or not, thank you. We have much to learn from you. You know, we're, we're at this important time in our spiritual history. We are living in one of the most socially active, justice-minded societies of our time. And somehow our Western church culture continues to prefer to place caring for the abandoned, lifting the heads of the vulnerable, advocating for the oppressed and the marginalized, either on the outside of the centerfold of our movement or at least on the periphery. We often abdicate the honored privilege and responsibility of our own spiritual adoption and either place that responsibility on the shoulders of government, on parachurch organizations, on missions departments within the church, or on those who get called my personal favorite, uh, the cult. <laughs> Can I just say it? When God called us out of death to life and into his family, we became the called. 
called to love our neighbors as ourselves, called to love our enemies, called to bless those who curse us, called to speak the truth in love, called to pray for those who have hurt us, called to forgive as we have been forgiven, called to care for the orphans and the marginalized. The question is not, am I called? But how do I respond to the call? So our lives, churches, and our families can become living worship to our very present, ever-loving God. So we can not just go to church and not even just become the church, but become our brother and our sister's keeper. So this podcast is for the people who want to get more acquainted with their Heavenly Father who chose them for adoption before the beginning of time by the good pleasure of His will. For anyone who wants to feel the wonder and precious responsibility of becoming a child of God all over again. And for the person who is curious to know what our heavenly adoption story might look like more fully alive here on earth. What do you have in your pockets to offer Jesus? Maybe at the very least, the next 12 chapters to listen in. Well, whoever you are and whatever you have, I have prayed for you before you even tuned in to listen today, wondering what on earth God has in store for us waiting with anticipation for Him to take the little we have and feed more hungry people than we can imagine, graft in more children, change more courses of eternity. And I believe that that same God who will do that work will in the meantime transform our own hearts as well. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you learned something new and felt encouraged along the way. If you are interested in hearing more, subscribe and leave a review so the content and message of this story can be found by other curious listeners. I'd also love to connect with you about any questions to share resources or to hear your grafting story. So send me a message. You can do that online. I'm on Instagram at Nick Fletch or NicoleAshleyFletcher.com. But more than any of that, please share this personally with anyone you know who might need to hear it. I'll be praying for you as you do. I hope to be with you again very soon. And until then, bye for now.